I have taught you five rules the Bible sets forth for financial success. Obey God, pay God first, pay yourself second, minimize expenses, and work hard. Now, this evening, I want to teach you rule number six, and that is to work smart. I have short little phrases for you to remember. Rule number six is work smart. Turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 for the verse you'll want to remember as the primary text for rule number six. Working smart. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Diligence is great. Diligence is required. Diligence is commanded. You saw all the blessings that will follow diligence that I taught you this morning. Working hard as a good slave will bring results. But it'll bring a lot more results if it's done wisely. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10. And I love this verse. Solomon got right to the point in a very practical illustration. If the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. You want a profit with the diligence you put out? You've got to work smart. You say you're sounding like you need to be politically astute. Or you're talking about politicking. You bet. You bet your bottom dollar on that one. It's working smart around people and in a organizational structure like businesses are set up today if you work for someone else. If the iron's blunt, he's talking about a man with an axe in the woods. You're trying to cut a tree down, but your axe is dull. You can get the tree down. You can get the tree down, my friends, with a sledgehammer if you want to beat long enough. But it takes a lot of work to get a tree down with a sledgehammer. If you take the time and sit down and file that axe while the man next to you is beating away with his sledgehammer, you can just be making a few strokes on your axe head, and then you step up to that tree, and in a few mighty blows you fell it, while this man over here is dying from heat exhaustion, hyperventilation, and a broken sledgehammer handle. And you've just dropped your tree. But you know what your heart's telling you? You don't have time to stop to file that edge. The easiest rut to get into is to hear me preach on working hard and to read those Bible verses and just throw yourself in it like an ox. And I mean an ox with no intelligence. Instead of taking the time to sit back and considering what you're doing. Now, I want to show you all that the Bible has to say on working smart. Do you get the point from this message? Isn't that a plain message? That is the example I use so many times with people. Have you sharpened your axe? Have you stopped and sat down and considered what you're doing? Let's look at all the Bible has to say about working smart. Let me give you a personal example. And I give these not to talk about myself, but to give you something to grab a hold of. And here's something some of you are working on and others may consider it. I've worked eight years in banking, three years at a medium-sized bank, five years at Michigan National. When I left the medium-sized bank to go to work for Michigan National, they told me no matter how hard I worked, if I didn't get my degree, my college degree, I wasn't going to be promoted. No matter how well I did, and they were right. <laughs> I worked hard. I mean, 
I did put forth more strength, as Ecclesiastes 10.10 says. But I also said, I will play by their rules since they are the boss. I will get my degree. Now, a degree can be got in a number of ways. And hear me out, those of you who are working on your degrees, I'm not saying you have to do it this way. But think about the way you do things. Now, you can go to school and do your best to get an education. And our children shouldn't probably listen to this. But I don't believe that college is a place you go to for education. College is a place you go to to get a piece of paper because you're not going to learn anything there anyway. You will not learn anything in school that's going to help you make more money. You're going to get a piece of paper at the end of four years that's going to help you make more money. You will learn more in your first six months in the job than those, seminar- than those college and graduate school professors could teach you if you hired them as private tutors. They don't know how to make money. If they knew how to make money, they wouldn't be teaching school for $25,000 a year. Those who can do, those who can't teach. Ever heard that before? Well, it's true. It's true. See, Americans worship education. They think you're really something if you're educated and you've gone and sat in class and were babysat until you're 22 years old. 22-year-old, 22-year-olders coming out of college are idiots when it comes to business. You learn by working. You learn a lot in a hurry by having to work with people, getting that paycheck, how to manage money, working with customers. You get it on the job, but you've got to play by their rules and guess what one of the rules is. If you want to get ahead in business, you've got to have a college degree. I'm talking about office-type, white-collar-type positions. You've got to have a college degree. I went and got a college degree, but I spent more time figuring out the easiest way to get a college degree than I spent in college. I spent hours at home reading everything I could get my hands on on the easiest way to get a college degree. How many of you have even heard of the book called Bear's Guide to Non-Traditional College Degrees? I have a whole book at home. It's a resource volume on a thousand different ways to get an accredited college degree. I can get you an accredited college degree if you have the time and $1,000 to sit down and take a test and pass it. Accredited. Oh, there's all kinds of ways. But see, it takes some time and creativity to sit down and figure out what's the easiest way to get this piece of paper they want. I got a college degree in 18 months part-time by picking the school in my area that would help me. And they helped me. A Catholic girls' school. Did you know your pastor graduated from a Catholic girls' school? Madonna College. Madonna College in Livonia, Michigan. Did that, did that Bachelor of Science degree in bank administration hurt me at all in speaking to financial analysts in San Francisco on how to run a bank? Do you think they cared where my degree was from? Not on your life. What had I done at Michigan National? Job experience and what you do on the job is what's going to count. But sometimes you have a ticket to get inside the gate. Oh, I got their ticket. I mean, I did everything that Madonna College would allow to happen, and then some. Did you know I got eight credits from Madonna College for preaching at the Detroit Church? If those poor sisters, and I, listen, it was a school run by nuns. If those poor sisters had ever listened to those tapes, where would I be today? 
I'm not trying to be funny. I spent more time studying, writing letters, making telephone calls, and on my knees before Roman Catholic nuns to get my college degree than I spent in classrooms. When I finally graduated, the registrar, I can't remember her last name, it was Sister Mary, you know, half of them are Sister Mary something. She looked at me and she said, Mr. Crosby, as she looked at my transcript, I mean, I had gone to two or three schools at the same time and I had got religious credit for my preaching. She said, Mr. Crosby, I believe you'll be able to talk your way into heaven. It, but it took the time, and here's the point I'm trying to make. I'm not trying to entertain. It took the time to sit down and think through how important is the education and how important is the piece of paper. Do I need to go to class or do I just need the piece of paper and I'll learn everything I need to know on the job? I'll opt for the latter every time and I'm going to teach my children to opt for the latter. I may help them get a piece of paper. And you have a Madonna College in Greenville. There's one in every city. And I've done the necessary work here to find it. It's Limestone Management School. It meets on Wade Hampton Boulevard. And if anybody wants an accredited business degree in less than four years doing it part-time, it's there for the asking. You say, but Limestone doesn't have prestige with it. If you are only going to go as far as the prestige of your college degree, you're going nowhere. You're going nowhere. You're going to get someplace based on what you do on a job. But to get into decent jobs, you've got to have the entry card. Just an example. Look at Proverbs 13, 23. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 23. It took me 18 months. I didn't get a single promotion. They were true to their word. But after I got that little piece of paper, more, what, about one promotion every six months was what I got after that. Had to have the piece of paper. In today's environment, people worship education and they want to be able to say that we have professionals on our staff. A professional who has a college degree. What do you think I learned in 18 months going part-time? Many classes just going to take the midterm and the final. How much do you think I learned? Nothing. I'd sit in those classes and chafe. I was a wife beater practically when I came home. I was so frustrated listening to professors who don't know what they're talking about. Trying to teach me how to run a bank, when that's what I was doing eight hours a day. Don't worship at the altar of education. Worship at the altar of hard work and learning some things on your own. Proverbs 13.23 has this to say about good judgment. Much food is in the tillage of the poor. Remember, he that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. We read that this morning. Just tilling your land and doing it diligently is going to get you ahead with much food is in the tillage of the poor, but there is that is destroyed for want of judgment. You can lose it all, though, and not really get ahead because you're lacking in judgment. You see Solomon emphasizing again the importance of judgment being mixed with hard work. We read this morning that the labor of the foolish frustrateth him because he knoweth not how to go to the city. He doesn't know the basic elements of how to sneak ahead. He's just following everyone else. Listen, life can be frustrating if you're following everyone else. No one else wants to get ahead or does what the Bible teaches. You've got to be wise. Paul taught us to use this world. We're to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. 
You should know how to sharpen your axe on every single thing you do in this world to think before you just throw labor into it or you're going to be worn out and you're not going to get too far. If you are a faithful and a loyal and a hard-working clerk, aren't those good characteristics? Faithful, loyal, on time, works late, comes in early, obeys everything that he's asked to do. What will you retire as? A clerk. Amen. Guaranteed. If you are a faithful and hard-working and loyal clerk only, you will retire as a faithful, loyal, and hard-working clerk. Why? Because managers love faithful, loyal, and hard-working clerks as clerks. But for the person who is willing to put out the extra effort to learn more about what's going on in that company than what piece of paper he should get in the morning and what numbers he should copy off of it before evening, that company will want to put him at a higher place where they can use his faithfulness, loyalty, and hard work. Do you get the message? Most people don't want to get that message. They heard it, they heard it on diligence. And listen, being diligent is rather easy compared to working smart. Because working smart takes some self-initiative. Anyone can beat you into working extra hours or just being a loyal, good employee. There's more to it than that. It's working smart, learning how to go to the city. Remember, the foolish hasn't even figured out how to make it to the city. He's still working out in the sticks. He doesn't know how to get to the city, so what is his labor to him? It's a source of frustration. Ecclesiastes 10.15. Figure out what your company is doing. Learn about it. Become the most knowledgeable person in the company. You say, well, my, all the officers in the company would know a lot more than I would. Come and talk to me after the service, and we'll talk about how ignorant most officers are of their own company. You can learn more than they do. You can get ahead. But if, if all you are is a diligent clerk, you will retire as a clerk. You've got to have something that they see that will want them to promote you to a higher level. Managers love faithful and loyal, hard-working people. Why? Because they're easy to manage. It's a manager's dream to have a clerk like that. But if that clerk is running in about once a week with some idea to make more money for the company, and about one out of three of those ideas somehow make it beyond their boss, to the boss's boss, you don't stay clerk for very long because you're contributing something more to the company that can be rewarded at a higher level than just plain work. Look at Proverbs 24. Oh, does God emphasize knowing what you're doing. It's just not being an ox. I mean, God didn't create us to be animals in a yoke pulling a plow. He created us to thank and to use our skills wisely. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 through 4. Through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. What are the three things required for having your house filled with precious and pleasant riches? Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. That's using your head instead of just brute force. Use your head to, to get ahead in these three areas. Look at the emphasis that God places upon it. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Understanding how your company works, how the world works. 
You have no idea how much I hate higher education. Some of you do. Brother Newell does. I mean, it took a lot for me to say I will get my college degree. My teeth did not separate when I said it. I'll get my college degree. I don't believe in it at all. Do I believe in it at all? Yes. I believe in it for the piece of paper. So I went and got it. But see, the understanding, I could see the, the handwriting was on the wall. I was going nowhere. And I would not be using this world wisely if I stuck to my own stubborn prejudice against higher education. I say, if they require that for the rules in this game, I'm going to play by those rules and beat them at their own game. And I did. And so can you, if you'll sit down and think. What's the average person going to school? He's a TV addict that's been babysat for 18 years. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. If you can't pass them and get a degree faster than they do, I'll help you. But I'll, I know that most people won't take me up on my offer. Only one person's taken me up on my offer and done what I tried to help them do, and that was my brother. He got a degree the, the hard way from Bob Jones University and came back to Michigan and got another degree the easy way from Madonna College. Listen, I refer to that place as the Cabbage Factory. My president happened to be the president. The president of Michigan National also happened to be the president of the Board of Trustees of Madonna College. And I would even say around the bank that it was the Cabbage Factory, that if you could get a cabbage inside the front door in four years, it would come out with a baccalaureate degree. And it would. But how do you find a place like that? By being smart. If you just follow everyone else, they're going to take the hard course. But why? Because they're dumb sheep. And I don't mean sheep in a spiritual sense. They're dumb sheep. They'll walk straight to the slaughter and waste their lives. Look at Proverbs chapter 27. Oh, you've got to use your head to get ahead. It's just not brute force or long hours. Proverbs chapter 27. Look at verse 23 and please hear the force of Solomon's words. Verse 23. Be thou diligent to take good care of your flocks. Is that what it says? No. Be diligent. Be thou diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to thy herds. For riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? No, kings come and go. The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the fields. You paid for that field, you better make sure you get enough goats eating off it. And thou shalt have goats' milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance for thy maidens. How do you get ahead so that you're all set like that? You give diligence to what? Working 72 hours a week? No, giving diligence to know the state of your flocks. Now, you, I don't know anyone in here who raises sheep unless you're doing it on the side and I haven't heard them or seen them in your backyards yet. I don't think anyone in here keeps sheep. So what, what do you do for a living? What do you do? Are you diligent in knowing what you're doing where you are going, and what that company can do for you? Or are you like the typical American who barely rolls out of bed in the morning, a couple cups of caffeine, and he makes it to the job and punches in his time card, struggles through a day putting in his five hours work in an eight-hour day, 
and goes home in the evening. Is that being diligent to know his means of production? Not at all. Isn't that what most Americans do? They're sheep. They're sheep. They punch in every morning, punch out every night. And I hardly give another thought. Just wait for that paycheck so I can live another week. Be diligent to know the state of thy flocks. You don't have flocks, but you all have jobs. Spend as much diligence in thinking about that job as you do in working in the job. It doesn't take as many hours. You can do a lot of thinking in a short period of time. But you better be diligent to think. God wants you to think to get ahead financially. Listen, you can cut a tree down with a sledgehammer. Well, you wouldn't cut it down. You'd beat it down. You can get it down. The Lord wants you to cut it down easily and faster. He wants you to get ahead. And the Word of God teaches us that. Do you see the emphasis right here? How, does your, how is your house filled with everything you need? By giving your diligence to know what you're doing. Look at Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, 8. The wisdom of the prudent man, the wisdom of the prudent, excuse me, is to understand his way. But the folly of fools is deceit. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. How many of you fully understand your way? Do you know where you are today? Do you know why you're in the shape you are today? Do you know where you need to be five years from now? Do you know how to get there? I wish I could take those letters and brand them on some of you. Where am I today? How did I get here? Where am I going? How will I get there? Boy, those are four good questions to ask. What does a prudent man do? He understands his way. He understands the way back there where he made his mistakes that got him here. And he understands the way ahead of him and where it's going to get him. And he's got it laid out. You work smart and you'll get ahead. You work diligently. I'll be there to see you collect your gold watch after 40 years of being a clerk opening the mail. I want to see you work smart, though, and get ahead. Look at Proverbs 24 and verse 6. What's one way you can do it? Proverbs 24 and verse 6. I, what I'm talking about right now, naturally speaking, and listen, this is a natural subject. Done properly, though, it becomes spiritually pleasing to God. There is nothing that excites me more than what I'm talking about to you right now. And that's beating the world at their own game. I mean, some of you like challenges. This is beating the world at their own game. Using God's instructions. He wants you to do it. He said to use this world. He wants you to do it. And it can be done. And it can be done rather easily. Because we've got something they don't, and that's the truth. And the truth should pervade our entire lives and bless us abundantly. It has me, and I'm so thankful for it. Proverbs 24 and verse 6, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. We're in war to get ahead financially. For in wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. Well, how do you get wise counsel? And in multitude of counselors there is safety. How many of you have sat down and asked, someone who's been there before, how they got to where they're at and what they recommend for you. How many of you have sat down and talked to more than one but actually asked for some counsel on what do you think about my shape right now? 
You know, I'm 36 years old. I've got net debts of $7,000. What do you think of my situation? I'm not as bad as most Americans. What did I do wrong to get here? Where should I be five years from now? Ten years from now? What steps should I take to get there? In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Look at Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 2. Proverbs 17, 2. I hear it now. Some of you are saying to yourselves, but I'm the wrong sex. I'm a woman. A woman can never get ahead. It's a male chauvinist world. I'm doomed to be a clerk. Some of you are saying I'm too young. I'm only 20 years old. I can never go anywhere. I'm still wet behind the ears. Some of you are saying I'm the wrong color. I can't get ahead. There's too much racial prejudice. Baloney to every one of those points. That's dung in the year 1611 Bible. That is a lie that's been fed to all three of those groups age-wise, sex-wise, and race-wise to keep you lazy and under tribute. Every woman here, every young person here, and every black here can get ahead as fast if they'll put God's principles to work. Look at Proverbs 17.2. Here's God. Here's what God has to say about it. You say, I'm not white. You say, I'm not 30. You say, I'm not a man. Here's what God says. A wise servant shall have rule over a son that causeth shame and shall have part of the inheritance among the brethren. What did God say would happen for a servant who works hard and is wise? He's going to get the inheritance and the father will kick out his own son. If you work hard and you follow the ten rules that I'm trying to give you. I love that verse right there. Forget anything that you think's in your way. There's nothing in your way except your own lazy heart and your own fear of obstacles. Remember, it's the slugger that says there's a lion in the streets. They're going to beat up on me because I'm a woman. If I walk into that meeting and try to present this particular project, they're going to beat up on me because I'm a woman. Well, yeah, there's lions walking up and down Malden Road, too. Do you believe that? Get out there and do it. Show, you, show some wisdom. And the Lord has said, you'll be promoted right by those people that you're worried about. Isn't that amazing? Proverbs 17.2 I know what it's like to be too young. I know what it's like to have some peculiar religious ideas and work at a large company. You don't need to let those bother you at all if you're wise, which includes keeping your mouth shut on some subjects, as I'll get to in a minute. You don't evangelize your employer, especially when you're as weird as members of this church are in the world's eyes. Do you have a defined career plan? Does everyone here know exactly where they're going, how they're going to get there, where they ought to be so they can measure their progress along the way? You could have asked me at any point in time. I could have given you pages of work already done on what I knew I was going to be and how I was going to get there. 
during that the last seven years of that eight-year period. I didn't know what a bank was. I mean, the first year, I had to figure out they had vaults and money and things like that the first year. But you've got to lay down a road map. He who aims for nothing receives nothing. If you don't aim for something, you're not going to get anywhere. Do you have a well-defined career path? Do you know where you're going? Do you know what you're going to strive to achieve in order to meet the financial obligations God's expecting of you? Do you know where you're going? Do you have a map laid out? And have you checked it out with counselors? Turn to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. Having a plan, defining exactly what I wanted, knowing what it included and what it required and how to get there was very important for me. And the Lord honored using wisdom and understanding and knowing the state of my flocks, which happened to be a bank. There's something else, though, that I read very early in that first year that left a very deep impression on me, and it wasn't until this study that I found it in the Bible. I read just an allusion to a theory that is well taught in some books on how to manage your career called the mentor-sponsor theory of career management. Every one of you in a position at a company where you're working for others should have two people identified as your mentor and your sponsor. Your mentor is usually your boss. doesn't have to be, though. Pick higher. You'll go faster. But usually your boss, your mentor, is the one you're going to learn everything you need to know to get ahead. He's the one that you're going to get in close with and work with most closely to learn what you need about that company. He's your mentor, your instructor. Oh, you, you serve that mentor well so that he'll teach you everything he knows. You quickly single out somebody that knows more about that job than anyone else within striking distance of you. And then you're like a leech. And you milk him for everything he's worth. He's your mentor. You learn as much as you can from him. At the same time, you have a sponsor above him. Somebody you pick as your sponsor. He's the person that's going to get you ahead. The sponsor's the man that's going to promote you past your mentor. The sponsor is the one that you want to serve well because he is going to take care of you. You serve everyone there well that's in authority over you, but you make special efforts for your sponsor and you know who it is. I read that in my first year and it was in two sentences in an article on a different subject. I cut that thing out and I practiced that from that day forward and it works. And listen, look at this verse with me in Proverbs chapter 27. And verse 18. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. If you wait on your master, some of you I have asked you, I have asked you this question. If a vice president or the president or even your boss's boss or for that sake even your boss came down and said, I know you're in your three-piece suit, but I want you to take my car down to the drive through wash and I want you to get that high-pressure hose in your hand I want you to wash my car. What would you do? What would you do? I know what some of you would do. 
You'd be as wise as the world. They'd say, well, I'm not going to be a brown noser. I'm not going to stoop to do something like that for you. I'd ask, may I vacuum the inside also, sir? You know why? He's my master. I'm his servant. I want to be promoted. I want to be honored. And the Lord wants you to be honored. You do what... Listen, I'd get on my hands and knees and take a cloth and shine his shoes. You say, well, that's being a brown noser. Do you know what the world calls brown nosing? Being a good servant. He is boss. He is king. He is God. As far as your job responsibilities. I verbalize this with every boss I work for. When I was pulled out of a financial division of a hundred people and moved to executive offices of Michigan National Bank, and I was sat down by the chief financial officer and told what, how they were going to treat me, I said, well, I want to tell you how I'm going to treat you. My goal for you, David Buckler, chief financial officer, is for you to be able to come in the morning at 8 o'clock and read the Wall Street Journal until noon on a clean desk because I will take care of everything else that you're responsible for. You're a manager. You shouldn't have to get involved in anything. I'll do it all for you. You just come in and sit at your desk and read the Wall Street Journal and manage your big division. I'll take care of everything else. That's the first thing I told him. The second thing I told him is that I don't believe I have any rights. I'm a servant. I have one right, and that's to quit. If you want to pull the lights on me and make me bring a flashlight to work by, that's your privilege. If you want to take away my lunch hour and require 15-hour days with no heat in Michigan, that's your privilege too. My only right's to quit, and I'll exercise it if I need to. But I told him I had no rights. The third thing I told him is that my number one goal directly was to promote him. I would do my very best to make him the best chief financial officer of any bank in this country and the finest officer in that bank. That was my goal. Not me, but him. Do you know what I was doing? I didn't know it then. I was, I was keeping the fig tree. I was keeping the fig tree. Proverbs 27, verse 18. <coughs> I would sit down and actually go through those items with the people that employed me. I would sit down with the president of the bank and tell him that I wanted Michigan National Bank of Detroit to be the most profitable bank for his honor as the president of that bank. And I would take care of everything I possibly could and use every means to help him achieve personal honor and glory. I was waiting on my master. I, was, I wasn't doing anything complicated. Is that complicated? That's just common sense. I was just being the best servant. I, I love being a servant. You know, people balk about being a servant. I loved it. I would have polished shoes once a day if that's what they needed. When you take care of someone like that, you know what? What does it say? What does it say? They'll accuse you of brown nosing and fire you? Are you kidding? When they've got someone to wash their car? I never washed a car. I never washed a car. I've picked the president up at auto dealerships. He that waiteth on his master shall be honored. Do you know what I'm talking about? Every one of you think about your company. Have you let your 
the owner of that company, or whoever is above you, your sponsor, your sponsor know that that's your attitude toward employment? It works. And you can see it very clearly in God's Word. Keep the fig tree, friends. You keep the fig tree, you'll eat of it. You wait on your master, he'll honor you. Look at Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 15. Proverbs 14:15, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. Now, I've already outlined what a prudent man's going to do, what a prudent man should do in working smart. What's going to happen is if you try some of the things I've just told you, others are going to say, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. No 26-year-old has ever run a department in this bank before. You don't have any investment experience. How are you possibly going to run an investment department? The simple believeth every word. It is amazing when I see someone get an idea and they want to pursue it and they know in their minds that it would work, they can do it, and then someone tells them they can't do it. Oh, I guess you're right. I guess maybe I'm just stupid and I don't know anything. And they give up and never go anywhere. The simple believeth every word. Do you know what my philosophy is for employees? Don't you believe any word. The more cynical you can be on your job, the farther you're going to go. Don't you believe one word about organization charts, about the fact that you've got to go level by level up the organization ladder. Forget it. You serve your honor, you serve your master well and wait on him, you'll skip rungs in the ladder. God has, will bless abundantly when you follow his rules. The simple believeth every word though, you see a simple man. You know, one person can just blow his idea. His plans, his ambitions, just blow it to pieces. We'll seek a multitude of counselors. Come and talk to some of your church, the church brothers. Come and talk to me. I'll help encourage you. My, and again, hear my advice. Don't believe anything. Anything they say can't be done. Listen, where there's a will, there's a way. Practice that on your job. That doesn't mean you break the rules of the company. Let them break the rules for you to promote you. But that means don't you let anyone discourage you by trying to tell you it can't be done. Anything and everything can be done if you'll put your heart to it and hands to it and do it with your might and do it with your head. Working hard and working smart. The simple believeth every word. Don't be simpletons, please. How enthusiastic are you on the job? Listen, if you drag in and hit that time clock at 8.01 and 3.59 and are a drag all day, I can guarantee where you're going to retire at if you retire. How enthusiastic are you on the job? You say, well, God doesn't require that. Work's a curse, and I treat it like a curse. <laughs> Some of you do. Paul said, fervent in spirit, after he said, not slothful in business. I was way underqualified when I went from Ann Arbor Bank and Trust to Michigan National, pitifully, in what they were looking for. But the personnel department had this to say after six weeks of working to get that job. Mr. Crosby, you are the most enthusiastic person we have ever met. Listen, I kept the U.S. Postal Service going and Ma Bell going to that bank 
doing everything I could to show them that I wanted that job and I better get it. And Paul tells you to be enthusiastic. And listen, when you're enthusiastic on the job, it spreads to others around you. But how do you teach enthusiasm? You say, well, I just wasn't born with it. Like the cheerful giver, do I have to go back and give that illustration again? If you're not fervent in spirit, you're not enthusiastic on the job, you're sinning. Is the average worldling enthusiastic on the job? Are you kidding? Only at break time and at quitting time does he get enthusiastic. Right? Or when there's a day off. But if you're enthusiastic on the job, the people in that company are going to want to get you hired for your enthusiasm to rub off and it wins. That's why Paul said, fervent in spirit. It works. It works. I can tell you example after example of how it works. Enthusiasm. And it's not false enthusiasm. See, the foolish doesn't understand his job. He doesn't know how to go to the city. If you'll sit down and learn about your company, learn about where you fit in, pick your sponsor, have a plan, all of a sudden work becomes exciting. Every morning when you get up, Another day to go put my plan into action. I mean, when you go to bed at night, when you go to bed at night, you're burning with enthusiasm for the night to pass so that you can get up the next morning to put into practice what you want to accomplish. It makes life enjoyable and it makes your job fun. I know how boring jobs can be. I've had jobs like that where when you go to bed at night, you dread going to bed. You know why? Because the nightmare is going to come back in the morning. You've got to get up and go back to the job. I have had that, and that is a that is the curse. But you know how you get over that? Understand your job. The foolish are wearied by their work because they don't know how to go to the city. They don't understand where they fit in and where they're going. But if you'll do that, work can become a challenge. If you have no goals, what are you going to work for? If I could, if I could get this point sold tonight, I'd accomplish more than I intended. What are you doing on a job without a plan? That is a rut. Now, the plan doesn't have to be president of Mercedes-Benz in five years. I'm going to get to that in a little while. You know, don't set your ambitions too high or they can be frustrating also. But you ought to have some plans so that every day is one more step in the direction of achieving your goal. It makes the job all of a sudden as a stepping stone, as a ladder with some purpose and meaning instead of just this grind where these taskmasters are beating me. I mean, if you can be on fire at 7 o'clock in the morning when the president or somebody sneaks in early, if you're on fire with enthusiasm for being there and every time you're talking to him about the company, every time he's down, you're, all, you're a fireball when he walks into your office about the prospects for the company and what we can do, they're not used to people like that. The world are depressed, full of fear, doubt, discouraged. It makes a difference. And Paul commanded it. Do you all appreciate the importance of knowing how to get along with people to get ahead financially? You say, I have worked diligently. I have worked wisely. I've been enthusiastic. I've given to the Lord. I've paid myself. And I'm just not getting ahead at work. I've been in the same position for 12 years. And you drive a four-wheel pickup to a bank 
with shotguns hanging in the back window, an NRA sticker on the bumper, you wear cowboy boots into the bank, and you chew tobacco at ball games when you're out with some of the lending officers. You know where you're going to retire if you retire? Right in that same position. Becoming a good servant and becoming and knowing how to work with other people means you crush individuality in certain areas. Listen, you don't crush it in every area. I mean, I had great fun with some of the things that I'm an individualist on at Michigan National. Some of the particular beliefs of our church, they knew where I stood on Christmas. They knew what I thought of the money system. Oh, they thought it was terrific. I could take a whole group of them around a table and pass out phony bills, you know, some of our old silver certificates and so forth, pass out silver dollars, and give them a lecture on how I was still paying 17 cents a gallon for gasoline. Anybody using quarters dated before 1964 is only paying 17 cents a gallon for gas. And this is to bankers who had just given me, you know, 30 minutes of drivel on the fact that OPEC was causing inflation in the U.S. And I'd bang down a quarter and say, I'm still paying the same price they were 20 years ago, 17 cents a gallon. I mean, I was an individual. But they'd walk into the president's office and say, I can't stand that Christmas tree out in the bullpen area. Please get rid of it or I won't work here. I never did that. I mean, when I went out and ate lunch and they had two or three drinks and were getting a little looser than they should have been, I didn't tell them to stop. How many, I don't, how many examples do I need to give you of things that you could do that offend people? You need to think about getting along with people. Don't be such an individualist that you turn people off by being stubborn. Learn how to get along with all types. I mean, when Paul, when the Apostle Paul, the Apostle who said... For I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Who said, God hath made the wisdom of this world foolishness? What did he say when he climbed Mars Hill? Ye men of Athens, may I quote one of your poets? Did he say anything about God condemning the wisdom that was surrounding him at the time? No way. Being made all things to all men being wise as serpents, harmless as doves. If you haven't learned how to do that, forget everything I'm saying. And some of you are going to say to yourselves, well, I've tried some of those things and they just don't work. Think about your individuality. If you do things that are offensive to people, it could be the, the kind of car you drive, the clothes you wear, the language you use, the, the things you tell them about your family. I mean, all you need to do is tell someone on the job how you beat your children. You say, but I'm witnessing. Come on. You're a fool. You're a fool. You're going nowhere. I mean, to talk about the size of dowels at work. I mean, I opened up one time on how, why my children were well behaved to a question. And I did this. I, I spent the next 12 months trying to cover what I said. You've got to be careful around people. Listen, this is the world. You don't walk in there and announce everything that you believe in practice. Do you understand the importance of image and the packaging of an individual? This is being wise. It's like the degree. The world expects a piece of paper, so you get the piece of paper. If the world expects you to dress a certain way or your company expects you to dress a certain way, I mean, if you're working for IBM 
and they say, navy blue suit and white shirt, you do not try to wear a blue shirt. You say, but I'm an individual. Fine. You can retire as an individual. And you'll go nowhere. You've got to learn how to bend and modify some of your own personal preferences for what is expected by the world. You're living in the world. You're working with the world. You play by their rules. And what I'm talking about is so important. You've got to drive a car. You've got to drive it in the way. You've got to use the language. You need to wear the clothes. You need to know how to talk the things they talk about. I mean, if hockey's the thing, and hockey was the thing. You need to know something about hockey. And listen, I hate hockey. I mean, hockey. But you got to learn about it a little bit so that you can say something instead of sitting there, you know, like a bump on a log. You need to adjust so that you can do some things that you don't like to do. I hate social. I hated socializing. I love it here. God's worked a miracle. But back then at Michigan National, I hated socializing. I could not sit down and chit-chat because I wanted to be at work and just leave me alone and give me some projects and they'll be turned out. We'll move on. But there comes a time where if it's the master who wants you to sit while he unloads about his wife or his swimming pool's clogged or the hockey game, you know, someone last night was beat up, whatever, sit and chat till he's content. Why? You're waiting on your master. You say, but I'm not getting anything done for the company. If he wants to talk to you, the thing he wants right then is a good listener. You be a good listener. You put your feet up on the table just like he does. Leave the cigarettes. You don't need to do that. I mean, the world does accept non-smokers. But relax and be like those you're with and try to be their friends. The way you can tell if you are getting ahead with people is how much they disclose to you of their personal lives. I could tell you horror stories about things I've had to listen to about marriage relationships of senior officers in that bank. I didn't want to know what was happening at home. I couldn't have cared less. They wanted to talk about it. And I guess I was such a good listener, they wanted to tell me. So I'd listen and I'd feel bad for them. And I'd give them the best advice I could. And as soon as they walked out of the room, I'd go back to work and not give it another thought until the next time they came in. And I asked them again, how's it going? But when someone starts disclosing personal information, you need to develop a personal type relationship like that. If you don't, think they're going to be... That's waiting on your master. They're not going to be looking out for you. You say, that sounds an awful lot like being a man-pleaser. That sounds like being a man-pleaser. And Paul condemned working as a man-pleaser in Colossians chapter 3. Well, what do we have now? Do we have Paul contradicting Solomon? Solomon said, you wait on your master and a wise servant will be promoted by his master. You wait on your master. You do whatever your master wants. What is waiting? That means you do anything. You get down and grovel in the dirt if he wants it. What did Paul mean? Paul meant that you're not one of those unfaithful type employees who only works when the boss is around. But you're working all the time because the Lord's watching over what you're doing. He did not mean you never do anything to please your master. I mean, everything you do on the job should be to please your master. You follow what I'm saying? But you're not one of those types who only works when the master's around. 
That's the only way you can reconcile those two passages of Scripture so that they'll fit. Please learn how to package yourself. Did you know that if we threw our capital in this evening and developed something that we called toothpaste and that would ooze out of a tube, we could probably develop something better than Procter & Gamble has. And it's an illustration I've used before with some of you. It wouldn't take much to come up with a better toothpaste than Procter & Gamble. Do you think you'd ever sell more than Procter & Gamble? You'll never touch them. Why? Even if you had something far superior to Procter & Gamble, because they know how to package and market that product. What kind of a package do you have? Do you have an independent package that you're not going to bend? You're going to show your individuality? Or do you have one that fits what is expected of your company? Remember in Proverbs 17:2, a wise servant will be promoted over the son that causes shame. If your employer has anything in your life that causes shame, if anyone else in that company knows something about you that's a little out of the ordinary, listen to me, you're not getting promoted. Do you know why? Because it shames him in the eyes of his peers to promote you when everyone or most everyone knows something about you that is just plain crude because you're being foolish, ignorant, or stubborn. If you follow what I'm saying, he can't promote you. It's going to destroy his own credibility. You've shamed him by the clothes you wear or by the car you drive or by the way you talk or by the way you behave at ball games, or whatever it might be. You need to learn how to adapt yourself so that you would shame your company. I mean, you are representing your master. You better be on your best behavior. You better be sterling in public appearances so that he is proud of you. Say, what a servant I've got. I'll make him a son. I'll give him part of the inheritance. Look at the, Im- look at the image that he gives me when he's out in public. I hope you'll learn to do that. You know, another rule of working wise, and this is now off the subject of what we've covered. I hope you have heard what I've tried to cover this night of working smart. It is the most exciting rule of Bible economics there is. I mean, all of them are true, but to me, this is exciting because this is God telling us to go ahead and take advantage of the world. Use their own rules, be smart, and beat them at their own game. You know, sometimes it takes money to make money. You've got to spend money to make money. Look at Proverbs 14 and verse 4. I believe we're already there. Proverbs 14 and 4. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. Here's a farmer. He's been plowing by hand. How does he get ahead? He's got to save up the money and invest it on an ox. I mean, that'll set me back two years. I won't be able to have a color TV. Sometimes you've got to buy that ox so that you can get behind the ox and he can make you more money because you'll be able to till a lot more ground. Sometimes you have to do that. I know that after preaching this sermon, you're all going to be very conscious about your money. You're going to be looking at your income, giving to the Lord, paying myself. I don't have much left. But he told me, I have a clerical job and I want to get ahead. And he said I needed a degree. And a degree costs money. After counsel, if it's still the thing to do, spend the money where there is no ox, where you haven't made the investment, you're not going to get ahead. Sure, you can save now, but you're sacrificing the future on the altar of the immediate. Sometimes you've got to spend to make. It's a Bible principle. 
Greg, have you ever had to buy tools? Have you had to spend a lot of money for tools? Jim, you've had to do that. Glenn, you have to do that. You don't like doing it. I mean, it's a lot of money to buy those good tools. But it's an ox, isn't it, for you? You have to do that to get more increase through better tools. Clothes. Sometimes you need better clothes for your job. It's an expense that needs to be incurred if after wise counsel it's the thing for you to do. For instance, selling a house or selling a car. What's the best thing to do many times is to spend some money just before you sell it. If you can justify to yourself that you're going to get some money, $2 for every buck you put in it, for instance. Fix a car up before you sell it. Don't try to sell it as is. They go lower than if you put some things in it and sold it fixed up and improved. It's amazing what you can get for a car with a 125,000 miles on it if you make it look pretty, even though you've run it down to a quart of oil on a number of occasions. That was my 77 Thunderbird. Didn't fib about a thing. Told the man outright, but I mean, how could you look at that car and not think it was in fine running condition? Because it looked great inside. But I had spent some money to fix it up. Right now, I'm trying to sell a house for my landlord who lives out of state. He is unwilling to part with a couple thousand dollars now to properly decorate that house that would get him five to six or seven thousand in sale price. I have sat him down. He listens to everything I say. Usually does what I ask him to do. But this time, he couldn't part with the dollars. He put some cheap indoor-outdoor stuff in that house. It's a total disaster. Sometimes you got to spend in order to make, and the Bible teaches that in Proverbs 14, 4. You don't buy the ox, your crib's going to be clean. I mean, you might have a couple ears in there, but if you buy the ox, spend the money, you'll get ahead. And sometimes you need to do that. You know, by way of example, let me remind you of that, the importance of image. One of the best rules for you to practice in buying something like an automobile, and maybe some of you already practice this, who've bought automobiles through the paper from individual owners, is when you go to their house and look at the automobile, look at their house. If you find a house in a garage well-organized and well-kept, guess what you can know about that car? If you go to a house and the place is run down, Solomon would look at it and he'd get understanding. A little sleep, a little folding of the hands. This man hasn't trimmed his hedges. He certainly hasn't changed his oil. Right? What kind of a package do you present? Working wise. Work Smart is rule number six. The last point I want to make. When an apparent financial opportunity comes along for you, like a promotion, someone calls you with a business venture, you see something for sale that you've wanted or needed, you go by the ten rules I've given you and not by the timing of that particular event. Don't you dare go by the timing. I have had people come to me and say, I know this is of the Lord because I prayed for it, and the next day, there it was. If I prayed for something and saw it there the next day, see, I'm cynical, but if I prayed for something and saw it there the next day, I'd test it more carefully than if it came six months later. Because the Lord, I've already expressed to the Lord something I want. When you let the Lord know that there's something you want, He's prone to test you on it. What happened to poor Abraham with his son? Think about Abraham. 
praying for a son. Oh, Lord, I want a son. Sarah came up with the brilliant idea of bringing Hagar in. Sarah hadn't conceived in years. Hagar conceives immediately. What would you have done? Ah, my answer to prayer. The Lord has answered. The Lord said Sarah would bear him a son. But look at the timing. What do you think Abraham thought? Abraham loved Ishmael and couldn't get over Ishmael even after Isaac was born. Abraham got in a discussion with God, trying to tell God that it really shouldn't be Isaac, it should be Ishmael. Why? The timing. It had to be Ishmael. When you measure the will of God for you to do something financially, go by the rules the Bible sets out and ignore timing and circumstances. Don't you pray for something and then have it appear like it's an answer and go into that thing when it violates one of the rules of Scripture. Base everything on what the Word of God has to say. If a promotion is going to give you too much care or going to require you to compromise your honesty and integrity or a business venture is going to put you too much in debt and take up the liquid savings that you need for times of adversity, I can tell you what the will of the Lord is. You don't need to pray about it. You can call your pastor. You should be able to call any male member in here. And he'll tell you what the will of the Lord is. Pass that one by. Don't look at circumstances to measure the will of God. Be wise. Be wise. And what does Paul say being wise is? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. And how do you understand that? You fill your heads with the book of Proverbs. And remember the ten rules I'm trying to give you. And ignore timing and circumstances. I trust every one of you that goes to work tomorrow to work for a master is going to, are going to keep your fig trees. Keep your fig trees and you'll eat from them. Wait on your masters and you'll be honored. I hope you'll sharpen your axes so that the efforts you do put forth is profitable. Wisdom is profitable to direct strength. And by combining diligence and wisdom, I've given you everything that I know from the Word of God as far as actually doing it to make you successful. It's up to you to practice it. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.